Sisters and brothers, I don't know if you've been aware of this, but there is a strange phenomenon that has invaded its way into our holiday season. Yes, many people mark their Christmas preparedness by this. They keep a running tally of how many and even which one is their favorite. Of course, you know what I'm talking about. It's the Hallmark Christmas movie. I think there's about 103 that come out every year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Now, I think I've told you before, and some of you are on the same page. Man, Hallmark, they've already taken away uh, Valentine's Day. They've already messed with all these other holidays and everything else. And now they're coming for Christmas. I've only seen one or two, so bear with me. But as I understand how all these stories, I think just the names are changing. It's pretty much the same story retold uh, again and again. And what I understand what comes from these movies and so many other movies like them is a theme that I think if we're not careful, we will buy into and that we will say it sounds like a good idea. And on the surface, it almost sounds like a good idea because if you think about how these stories work the one problem that I have with them is that they tend to suggest that Christmas is about finding our way again that there's usually somebody maybe it's a family member or a friend or a neighbor or something and they've lost their way but by the time we get to the end of the movie, and if we're watching it on TV, then you know we'll have enough commercials in between. But by the time we get to the end, somebody, by the spirit of Christmas, is going to find their way again. Now, I'm going to suggest to you today that that on the surface sounds good. You want people to find their way. Amen? I tell you to be careful. Listen to me. No. I'm going to suggest to you today that we don't need to find our way. That Christmas is not about finding your way again. It's about finding something much greater and more lasting. Sisters and brothers, we don't need to find our way. And you don't need to find your way. Matter of fact, I think if we would do a little bit of self-reflection, and look at some of the things that we've gone through in our lives, some of the issues and some of the problems that we've had to deal with, maybe some of the pains and the troubles that have come to us, I bet we could look at a lot of those things and say, man, they happened because I did things my way. We don't need to find our way because we're pretty good at our way. We're pretty good at doing things our way. We're pretty good at knowing our way of doing things and knowing what we are going to to do. So we don't need to find that again. We need to find something different. And if you heard the message from the prophet Isaiah this morning, praise God. He told us what it is we need to find. Now, let me remind you, the, the people of Israel, they have been in the wilderness And as they understood it, they were in the wilderness because, guess what? They followed their way. They understood that they were suffering, that what had happened to them was because for too long they had allowed their way to get in the way of God's way. That God had a way for them to interact with each other. 
that God had expectations of how they would treat one another and what they would be willing to do for one another. But the people said, no, we'd rather do things our way. Now, of course, they didn't really say that. They said, God, we want to do it your way. But then what they did was something else. Y'all with me? And so for so long, God allowed them to do that. That they ignored the people who were poor, that they ignored the people who were suffering. They trampled over the people that were in their way. They made things comfortable for themselves. They made sure that they looked out for themselves and their way. And finally, enough. Other prophets had tried to tell the people that you can't do this. We, we've got to turn to God's way. We have to get away from our way. This is destroying us. If we're not careful, something's going to happen. And the people understood that when their homes were taken away from them, that when some other nation came and took their, everything about them away and brought them to another land, that that was the end of their way. And that they were suffering through this, not because God had made this happen, but because they were so stuck in their way, there was no other consequence they could have. Have you ever ever done anything wrong? Maybe I'm talking to the wrong crowd, right? (laughs) But I've heard about other people. Not you, but the person sitting next to you, right? And particularly when you're young, right? You know, and that's something we say about our young people. They don't think about what this could mean. They don't think about what could happen. Well, let me tell you some adults, sometimes we're the same way. We don't realize that our actions have consequences. We do realize, but we're just not that concerned with it. And so sometimes we do things, sometimes we say things, and then we're shocked when something happens in response. Right. Maybe we tell somebody something that's really kind of rude, but somebody's got to tell them. And then when we tell them, we're surprised that they're offended. Well, you shouldn't be offended. I just told you the truth. That what we do and what we say has consequences. The people finally realize that what they had done for so long had finally caught up to. And if you read over and over, what you realize is they finally get it. They finally understand that where they are is a direct consequence of what they had become. Imagine getting what you know you deserve. That was the people of God. That's what grace is, right? I've heard someone say grace is not getting what we deserve. But we also got to realize, sisters and brothers, but quite often there are consequences for the things we do. And we do well to be spiritually mature and understand that and not to say when something happens to us, oh God, why did you do this to me? Remember last year, excuse me, last week, I told you what we're kind of good at doing. What are we good at doing? Point that finger, right? And then so when something happens to us, and it's a consequence of something we've done, sometimes we're not careful. Our tendency is even to point the finger at God. Why did you do this to me? 
maybe God hadn't done anything to you. This is just what happens when you follow your way. But God has a message. God had a message for those people, and I think God still has a message for us today. And it's in the passage that we read from Isaiah 40, and it starts with these words. Sisters and brothers, hold on. Comfort, oh, comfort my people. You see, I want you to understand this. I want you to see this image of God that we have before us, that the people had suffered, that the people had had endured great trauma. And this could be the very moment where you and I or somebody may step in and say, well, you're just getting what you deserve. I told you, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. But our God doesn't do that. Our God still hears the cry of the people. Our God still sees their turmoil. And when he sees that they understand why they are where they are, he says to them, comfort Oh, comfort my people. I, I want you to wrap your heart around that, sisters and brothers, and appreciate how meaningful that is. First off, that God is telling you, you're not getting what you deserve. What he's saying is comfort. Take comfort. Whatever you're going through right now, take comfort. You know why? Because you're still my people. Comfort, oh, comfort my people. Boy, that's, that's something we need today, isn't it? We need a little comfort. We need to know that things aren't always going to be as bleak as they seem. That things always aren't going to be as difficult as they feel. Praise God. We need to be reminded that even in the wilderness, maybe even especially in the wilderness, God still says, comfort, oh, comfort, My people. Amen. So I think that as we are getting our hearts prepared for Christmas, maybe we need to realize it's not about finding our way again, because quite frankly, our way tends to get us in trouble. That maybe there's another way we need to be searching for. Y'all with me? You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Well, come on, it's worth the ride. Because what the prophet says, comfort, oh, comfort my people. And then he says, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Now, here's, here's my problem with sometimes us church, us church folk, us Christian people. Uh, we, have, we buy into the things that are being sold all around us. And so sometimes we get this idea that we've got to get ourselves perfect before we can approach the throne of grace. That we've got to get our lives all together and in order before we can go to God. I want you to hear me say this. If you haven't heard me say it already, that is nonsense. That is not how God of the Scripture is. That is not how faith in the one true living God works. Because God's message to the people in the wilderness was, while you're in the wilderness, there is going to be a way prepared for you. But it's not going to be your way again. Your way got you here. There's going to be a way prepared for you. You're going to see it. And you're going to know it's not your way. It's not your brother's way. It's not your family's way. It's going to be my way. 
You hear that, sisters and brothers? In the wilderness, when things feel lost, when things feel scary, when things feel confused, when things feel like everything is falling apart, when it feels like you have nothing else to give, when you feel like there's nothing worth living for sometimes, it's in the wilderness that God says, there is my way out. That is a way worth finding. That is a way worth giving our lives to. That is a way worth saying, God, I don't want to see anything else but your way. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Not just an alleyway. Not just an expressway. Not just a nice little curb that they redid on the other side of the church, but they're not going to do in front of the church. For a, but I'm not going to get into that. But a highway for God. A highway that anybody can get on. A highway that once you're on, hang on because we're going. A highway that will take you where you need to go. That will take you where you need to be. That's the highway you want to get on, sisters and brothers. The way that leads to God. We don't need to find our way. We need to find God's way. Y'all with me? We're pretty good at our way. I remember when I was younger, they used to tell me at home, you know, I'd get all, that's something. Hey, they would tell me, this ain't Burger King. You can't have it your way. Maybe that's why I like Whataburger so much. They just, I was constantly... That's the thing about God, though. God says, you can have it your way. You really can. I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm not going to make you get on the highway. I'm not going to make you get in my way. All I'm going to tell you is, it's there. It's there for you. Why don't you get on? And, you know, this doesn't just apply for us as individuals, as, as, as people by ourselves. It has to do with our church and the way we do things in ministry as well. Uh, our, our Bishop Snazy once wrote in one of his, his books, he says that Methodism, we had these what used to be called go-to instincts. If you know anything about the history of the United Methodist Church, back when John Wesley was starting in the 1700s and they were doing things, Bishop says they had these go-to instincts. What that meant was that wherever the gospel needed to be heard, that's where they would go to. If there were people who couldn't hear, who the church wouldn't allow, you know what they would do? They would build a highway and go to them. If there were people who were sick and in prison that needed to be reminded of the gospel, they needed to be reminded of how much God loved them, they wouldn't just say, all right, pull over the seat, though. They would build a highway and go to them. That's why I get kind of offended sometimes. I hear it all the time. People say, oh, I'm Methodist. That means a couple of things. Oh, I love to eat and I love to meet. Being Methodist was never about meetings. Eating, okay, I could buy that. <laughs> but we had go-to instincts. Instead, this is what he says, whereas Methodism had go-to instincts, we've become a come-to denomination. That instead of having this instinct that 
but we need to go to where God is calling us. We have this expectation for people that they will come to us. Sisters and brothers, that's not, that's not biblical faith. Jesus tells us to come to him, all who are heavy and, 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 and heavy burdened. And he'll give them rest. But then he tells us, now you go to them and tell them I said that. But somewhere along the line, we became a church that says, nah, let them come to us. We'll even, we'll even do events along the way that they'll want to come to. And then when they don't come, we say, why didn't they come? They're supposed to come. See, but Jesus never told us what they were supposed to do. He only told us what we were supposed to do. And not even beyond that, we don't even give them an invitation to come. And then when they don't come, we wonder why they don't come. Y'all with me? Is this a little too harsh for Christmas time? Because I want you to be ready for Christmas, and I want you to realize that by the time we get to Christmas, we have a sense in our heart of what we're truly celebrating. And part of what that is, is that there is a message of comfort for all of God's people who have found themselves in the wilderness of life. Now, just like the people of God back then needed Isaiah to tell them, the people today need us to tell them. Sometimes you hear people say, well, have you had a good Christmas? And usually the response to that has to do with, you know, something, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I did have a good Christmas. I was able to get the lights up in time, and I got all the Christmas cards mailed out in time. I got all the presents taken care of. I made sure my pastor got everything he wanted for Christmas. <laughs> did you have a good Christmas? Oh, yeah, everything turned out great. Uh, the family still likes each other. We're okay. Yeah, it's all good. And let me, sisters and brothers, that's all good. Those are good things, especially that preacher part. But th- those are all good things. But let me ask you something. Would it be a little more meaningful if that when someone asked us if we had a good Christmas, we would be able to reflect on what we've done and all this time to lead up and ask ourselves, did I prepare the way of the Lord for somebody? Did I prepare the way for somebody to come to know the love and the mercy of God? Can you imagine what kind of Christmas it would be if every single one of us here in about 30 days would be able to say, you know what? I did. I opened the way for somebody to know what God wanted to tell them. What kind of Christmas would that be? I'm just going to tell you, that'd be a real Christmas. So if you, if you want us to have that kind of Christmas, if you want to know that kind of way, 
but you want to follow the way of God, I want you to pray with me right now. Thank you, oh God, because you never leave us and you never forsake us. With you, there is always comfort for us to be had and hope for us to live in. So, God, we ask for your forgiveness for the many times that we have chosen our way over yours. But, Lord, we are ready. We are ready to find your way. And as we find your way, we are just as ready, God, to help someone else do the same. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.